Because it's in the front room that's too small for a sim rig, this is the Motion E podcast. Hello and welcome to the Motion E podcast. I'm S Garlic and I'm delighted to bring you a little bit of sim racing today because uh, I'm talking to Jamie Jess Martin who is the team boss and um, one of the board members of Prismatic Motorsports which is uh, I believe currently the only um, uh, all trans uh, and non-binary sim racing team that there is and I, I was so fascinated when I heard about this that I had to talk to Jess and find out more. So, Jess, hi, welcome. Uh, it's fantastic to be here. Um, I'm very excited to be able to talk a little bit about Prismatic and uh, sim racing. And also, uh, it's interesting to be able to just get on a podcast and have a have a good bit of a natter about some, some things I'm interested in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, this is, uh, this is normally an electric vehicle and Formula E podcast, but I, I think... It's uh, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, broaden out into sim racing. Um, I I reached out to uh, not that you need to know this, but like just just really for the listeners to sort of prove my uh, prove my credentials as someone who likes esports. I I did reach out to uh, Chen Bollock Basu's agent last year, but I think it was it was at the wrong time in the F two season, and probably uh, he wasn't in much of. Uh, mood to talk about it so yeah but it, it's it's good to it's good to talk about esports talk about sim racing and uh, kind of talk about the state of where it's going and i'd love to talk about what it's like to run a racing team there so hopefully we'll get we'll get into that but first of all why don't you tell us a bit about yourself as an individual jess so uh, um how did you get into sim racing and um how did you get into motorsport in the first place okay uh so i guess with me my interest goes pretty much a lot you know if you talk about european fans formula one is very much the thing that sticks out you know as an inspiration to a lot of people to get into motorsports i remember going back or i have vague recollections of watching as far back as the 2004 season uh where i i got to watch obviously the great uh, mighty michael schumacher uh, absolutely mopping up in the f2004 and from then on, I kind of became hooked. You know, I, I love sports as a whole, but uh, but motorsports has been a massive influence on my life. You know, I'm, dare I say, I'm a Scuderia Ferrari fan through and through. Um, love it or hate it. I've been there through the good. I've been there through the, uh, shall we say, shambolic periods. But um, I, lo- I love love the team none the same. And uh, yeah, for me, it's just always stuck around. And as I've grown and grown up and gotten older the passion is just much more prevalent in my day-to-day and it just happened that when it comes to motorsports there is a more affordable and more translatable space in sim racing that is so as as close as you're going to get it's not like say for example other esports where there's not like a pro uh shoot 'em up division for uh for you know rainbow six or or uh <laughs> csgo CS yeah exactly but with sim racing it's as close as you're going to get while it isn't exact it's it genuinely is a very unique form of esports that i think is very underrepresented and very underappreciated to a lot of the wider esports community but that hopefully will change in Hopefully in the next little while, fingers crossed, should things start to get a little bit better. 
Well, yeah, I think maybe the uh, the the original pandemic lockdown, the classic COVID, as we as we now call it, uh, lockdown, um, was the moment when people realised some of the big names in the esports community could beat IRL racing drivers on their day. I mean, um, I'm, I know he's not necessarily the fastest uh, uh, sim driver out there, but he's probably one of the most famous. I remember uh, Jimmy Broadbent's epic battles with Antonio Felix da Costa, uh, in- including at Daytona, I think, in the virtual 24 hours there. So um, lots, lots of points of comparison that you wouldn't normally get. D- do you think that 2020 was an important moment for sim racing? It was a massive, uh, massive one. I mean, obviously, that ma- that link between, uh, you know, the the real sport, the real thing, and also sim racing being such a close, tightly knit thing, it it genuinely created a bit of a a, a lightning, a storm in a bottle that we've managed to build upon year after year after year. Um, you know, we went from the fact we were also lucky that at the time we had a ton of really talented creators, like of course the person you mentioned, Jimmy Broadbent, uh, Jardier, uh, and a few a few others within you know the the social media sphere that were really doing well and managed to build off of that. Um, but also, you had a very unique scenario where the people in some of the new fresh blood, some of the really talented names in Formula One started picking up in uh, picking it up and uh in fact some of the old guard started getting involved you, th- you think about uh the race did a bunch of um runs or a bunch of races um during the during 2020 during the lockdown which i believe that jensen button and um yeah um, alonso uh, I, I, I think uh so I, actually the most comical moment in those was uh when uh, when Jacques Villeneuve filmed himself driving uh, using, I think, an Xbox controller um, on an old laptop. Yes, um, I think that was one of the two very, um, one of the two very brilliant, uh, I think, instances of pad control. I think the other one was uh, uh, Mahavir Raghunathan uh, during the <laughs> F1 esports series they did mm. uh, in 2020 as well around Baku. I mean that was a very popular one because of uh, the fact that it was it featured uh, Charles, George, Alex Albon, uh, the, the whole collection. So there, there were definitely some funny moments as well. I. I, I... I have to uh, I have to stop and put a pin in uh, Mojave Ragunathan because he, he's he's a name that probably everyone who um, is aware of motorsport on the internet knows, even though um, you, you know his his racing history is shady and um, he's he's had. Um, I, I was going to say no great success. He did he did win the Boss GP title I think in uh, 2017. So but like. It's it's incredible actually how someone can achieve that level of fame um, just at the point when um, motorsport starts to become a thoroughly memeable uh, um, and packageable in that way sport. It um, he he really did hit the jackpot in that sense. I, I wonder what he's doing these days. I'm not quite sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he he can do. And you know, I think I have faith in a lot of drivers. Um, you know hopefully getting better there are some of course i i'm kind of glad i'm no longer around the scene but (laughs) at the same time um you know mahavir i think just was uh 
was probably thrust upon a, a a challenge that I don't think he was ever really ready for. Um, but I do hope he does find his niche sometimes. But, uh, but then... drivers that aren't strong in open wheel can maybe be good in GT. It's 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 hard to tell really. And actually, I I thought about Lord Mojave as well because, um, uh, of course, um, your your sponsor Cami Sturch made a very successful print of his uh, of his uh, uh, um, seventeen point turn in in Baku. So, uh, um, and Cami, um, I spoke to, um, um, I was doing an interview with her for um, my um, um, university course that I teach, and um, she was great for that. She talked about um, how she markets or artwork but uh, um, yeah she, she talked about how that was originally meant to be a one-time order which turned into something that uh, snowballed online I I guess um, um, Cami is one of your sponsors um, uh, be, being another trans person in motorsport is 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 someone that you've probably looked up to for what she's done um, yeah absolutely I mean Cami was one of the very first people that approached us when we uh, when we kind of started up and uh, originally, uh, there's obviously a long story behind how we were created, and I'm, I'll go into that a little bit later. Hmm. But when it comes to to Cami, Cami originally was going to race in an event that we were going to be a part of. It fell apart, and unfortunately, Cami couldn't run due to contractual obliga- obligations with the esports team she was with at the time. But over time, Cami wanted to see some of this succeed and wanted to see positive representation so we ended up meeting uh we ended up creating a platform together and cami was very supportive of us absolutely fantastic and we obviously we keep her name on the car as what we consider a legacy sponsor which is someone that helped build us up from the start and i think deserves the representation especially being a self-owned minority minority business and um plus you can't fault cami's work um massive um absolutely fantastic to have her in uh, in our corner and also have her part of the industry and i know that we've definitely i've definitely had great conversations with her uh help uh, you know and uh, i've been able to see artwork in its design phases and i'm always amazed about how how incredible she is and and also the fact that yeah from from our perspective she's definitely learned a lot from us as well um, especially around esports and some of the things, some of the fields that she's definitely interested in getting a little bit more stuck into. So uh, it's it's been fantastic, and it's fantastic to have her in the industry, really. Yeah, of course, Cami is a driver in her own right, um, and um, uh, it, it, it's 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 interesting as well to, uh, th- to to think about the different levels of sim racing because I, I think obviously the things that we see mostly on YouTube online are the the very very top echelons, but it is a relatively accessible sport. I mean, obviously it's not a poor person sport. You need a decent rig if you're going to take it seriously, but um, actually, you know, compared to real life motorsport, if we can call it that, it's remarkably easy to get into, isn't it? It is. Um, now, of course, yeah, you absolutely are right. There is a cost implication. Um, I honestly think that it probably isn't as severe. Um, absolutely, there is some element of having decent gear. Definitely does give you a greater understanding of your limits. Um, but I will say it is much more accessible than uh, people definitely wish to believe. And um, I think it's great because 
at the end of the day, yeah, um, with sim racing, you can take your car out whenever you want. You can take your car out, uh, you know, at, at uh, midday. You could take it out at midnight, you know, or you, 24 hours a day, you could wake up and get into a sim rig and start playing. Whereas, you know, in real life racing, you've got the cost of a racing license and the cost of the car, cost of maintenance, cost of track time and track days. And that kind of adds up. And for someone that maybe doesn't come from that, uh, that, uh, that kind of sphere or has my backing behind them, uh, it becomes very difficult. But with sim racing, you only need to spend maybe a couple of hundred quid and then at that point you're at a good position that you can grow and we've seen it you know multiple times in history um that sim racers have gone on and been had successful careers uh you mean you, you mentioned Kem a little bit earlier um you think about jan mardenborough uh jimmy mm, broadbent mm. It, to it to an extent as well um sim racers or people that started in sim racing have ended up developing uh, nice little, uh, nice little opportunities for themselves, and I think that's it's it's honestly so fantastic. And on it for us, at least from a from a, a prismatic side, we're hoping that one day we can get someone up to that same spot as a trans and non-binary person. Definitely. Um, I remember when I started watching F1 esports on YouTube in 2017 or 2018. Thing I noticed was, hang on. All of the drivers here, they're, they're, they're all blokes. And you know, I, I started looking into um, looking into why that might be. And uh, I, I asked people who knew about the, um, the series, I said, um, you know, why, why, is it, why is it only blokes in a sport that, you know, d- doesn't, doesn't even... Um, I mean, like, normally in motorsports when we're trying to explain well why is it only men we talk about socioeconomic factors and we talk about sponsorship but maybe we also talk about the the uh, sort of uh, physical strength factor although that's now eroding i think that argument but esports doesn't have that so why has it historically always been cis blokes at the top of e- uh, of motorsports esports i think it's the same reason as any other sports um currently has a disparity between um you, you know sim racing obviously there's less of a gap uh incredibly less it's, it's a non-existent gap in the grand scheme of things but um in terms of other sports i think it yeah you, you say social social socio-economical factors are one but also i think it's the fact that a lot of these sports for a very long time have been marketed to and especially with motorsports as a whole motorsports has always been marketed towards a more masculine scene and you know you think about cars he's like oh well don't worry uh my my partner's outside messing with the car and motorsports oh well you know it was always marketed towards a more masculine audience but i think as time and and with sim racing because sim racing is so tied at the hip with motorsports and there's so much translation between the two i think there's had to have been a patch up where we've had to open up the supporting uh the support or the ability to be able to support open up the scope of how we approach people uh especially women especially trans people and and, and other minorities and say hey this is really cool look at this you might like it 
And I think that when motorsport has gained popularity, especially around, you talk about Formula One with uh, Drive to Survive, for example, when you open up that sphere and you add more context, more people of a wider group start want to take part. And when motorsport starts to become more inclusive, esports starts to become more inclusive, and more specifically, sim racing starts to become more inclusive. And we're starting to see those opportunities come up, and we're starting to see... Uh, we're starting to see a lot more female drivers with opportunities. It's making more women interested in motorsports. And as such, they they kind of go, I want to try that for myself. And the first thing they can try is getting themselves a sim rig, getting themselves a, a subscription to iRacing or buying R-Factor or ACC, and then getting stuck in. I think the important thing to, to say about our creation is that it was not intended um it, it sounds really ridiculous but um ultimately when we started i started because i was arguably it kind of it started off with me i started the ball rolling and i felt there was a in fact it came from personal experience so i i was talking about going back to 2020 um i Bought myself a sim rig because i managed to save a little bit of money because of the furlough scheme and then later on in the year i just i managed to save up enough to build myself a brand new pc um and because of that it completely opened the sphere up to um the world of sim racing i started playing iRacing because i was like it would be cool to use my sim rig and have a good time um i did i wasn't great at it but at the same time i had fun and but it's very easy to, especially in gaming spheres, you want to be around people that you get along with and you feel comfortable with and you can make friends. And so for me, it came about where I asked just on uh, the Reddit r slash trans gamers, hey, does anyone play iRacing? I, I kind of want to just have some friends. just want to have, have a chat, uh, just chill know some people, have a good time, play a game with some people. And we got about seven, eight or nine people that responded to that post. And we created a little bit of a community, a little bit of a group. And it, as time went on, it became so much more important. And it started to become incredibly evident that we weren't the only ones. Us nine, 10, you know, became... 20 40 60 and people started taking notice and we realized that actually there were so many trans and non-binary sim racers who didn't really have that place and then suddenly they go online and they see sim racing team and community and they go wow a place i could be and i think ultimately this goes for a lot of things this goes for any game sim racing is kind of is kind of the same it's very easy that when you walk into a space as a trans person the first thing that other people are going to ask you is about your transition about mm. your trans experience about specific details that people aren't really super comfortable giving a lot of the time especially when it comes to people that are still relatively early on in their transition 
Yeah, and actually, actually, that that kind of stuff is is mental because you wouldn't ask that to a straight cis person, you know? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't. But um, I can understand the inquisitive nature. Sometimes it's done out of complete um, object. um, It's done out of complete object harassment. But a lot of the time, there are people that do ask the question because they are trying to understand something that is very different from their way of life but at the same time i sit here as a trans person and i say yeah for a lot of people that aren't me because i I would talk to my heart's content about it because i'm a very i'm very open but i know that's not the experience for everyone and suddenly when there was a space for trans and non-binary people within the scene they could join our community and yeah the first question was can we ask what your pronouns are so we know what to call you. We know hmm. what pronouns for you go by. And then at that point, that's where that question stops. And suddenly that person can go straight into talking about their favorite things, getting to know people, introducing people uh, to introducing themselves, making connections, talking about their, f- their fun and their support in IRL motorsports, their achievements in sim racing. Ask questions to, about people that have been around sim racing a lot longer than we have and a lot longer than they have. And then suddenly at that point, it becomes incredible. And we're very lucky because our community is absolutely beyond one of the kindest, sweetest and most caring communities out there. And I'm really happy to say it, it has had a positive impact on a lot of people's lives. And and they we've been told as much and uh, not to toot our own horn, but ultimately it turned out that something that was kind of accidental turned out to be a surprisingly positive thing and yeah we've done a lot of learning along the way but um we are really proud of what what has become and you know that community makes makes it so much better what has your strategy been in navigating, you know, motorsport networking and talking to drivers um, and teams and journalists and kind of... Um, I, so have you seen it as a priority to make people comfortable with trans people uh, and with yourself as a trans person? Or do you take the opposite view, which is that it's not for you to make them comfortable? I think, in all honesty with you, it's a bit of a tough question. Um, But I will say, at least from the perspective of my role with Prismatic and what I do and and what I do on a day-to-day basis, it's talking through pure abject facts. Because, yes, absolutely much like uh, a lot of straight cis people might not necessarily understand, they might not necessarily understand our way of life. Because it's it's very very different to them. Now, of course, some people are going to you know treat you pretty horribly and that is an unfortunate case of the way society is but at the same time there are a bunch of people a bunch of people out there that could definitely learn or definitely have the ability to learn and prismatic i think when i'm i talk to media i talk to sponsors potential people in motorsport and stuff like that i like talking about what we represent as a team um, when we were first kind of properly formed in March 2021 as Prismatic Motorsports, one of the earliest things that I and the rest of the then founders um, uh, tried to do is we came up with a set of goals. 
And those goals were to achieve three core things. It gave us a united thing that it wasn't just let's go sim race, let's go win races. It was let's provide a, tra- a space for trans and non-binary people to be able to be themselves and to enjoy their passion, to elevate those that have incredible talent and have opportunities to go even further and then to advocate using our platform, our ever-growing platform to help bring attention in esports and in sim racing to trans and non-binary inclusion. And when I get to talk to people about that that maybe don't understand what we might represent, I get to talk about that and I get to show, show those goals. And I tell you what, a lot of people, especially in the motorsport industry, listen to it and they go, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And in fact, that's a very noble goal. And I think that when you do that and we open up and we explain what we are as a, as a team, as a community, we're very lucky that a lot of people are interested by it. They get that interest and then immediately from there, they're, they're more likely to educate themselves and to understand or ask further questions. And we're very lucky that we've managed to be able to do that while also highlighting those that want to support us. So from that point of view, it's pretty important that you have representation in a mixed space such as uh, such as sim racing, because that that then um, puts um, puts non-binary and trans people into a space where they've perhaps not been represented before. Am I right? Exactly. So for us, uh, you know, we've managed over our time as an esports team to put some incredible drivers, uh, trans and non-binary drivers, into some really top-tier series. I mean, uh, I, I take, for example, that we put, invested a, a ton of sponsorship money into the Rocket British F4 esports championship hmm. last year which was being raced by some incredibly important teams and some drivers that are racing at the highest levels. There are drivers there uh, that were in that series that are now going to be racing at Katowice uh, at ESL R1 hmm. and in, for the very first time. And there are some drivers that actually have made the F4 grid, uh, some incredible uh, some incredible. Um, some incredible drivers, of course, um, others including uh, Ruben Stanislaus and Louis Apiegi, um, as as examples. And I think we gave the opportunity and we gave the op- uh, the the shot to four drivers over that period of the series. Um, that was that being uh, Mira Schmidt, uh, Azzy Iredale, uh, Sisha Fitzpatrick, and um, Brie, Brie Widener, and. Because of that opportunity we gave them, you know, Mira got an incredible shot at racing with the big boys and and really got to show herself once again as an incredible talent with a lot of pace who was able to compete with teams around her. Um, we got to highlight uh, Azzy, who has spent a bunch of time in the some time in the real life motorsports sphere and has been really successful and is now off uh doing their own uh doing their own things at the moment um sisha fitzpatrick um one thing that we definitely see is underrepresented is representation of irish drivers um Mm. and sisha fitzpatrick being uh from the republic 
has gained a lot of attention, a lot of movement, especially with some of the series that uh, Saoirse has, has been involved in and Brie Widener uh, being non-binary themselves, uh, they have been just, they've, you know, they've had an opportunity to, to, to show what they're made of as well and, and really build confidence. Uh, other example, of course, um, to, to a lesser extent, we helped provide deliveries and some of the, uh, some of the technical support for Christina Ryan and her 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 runs in the spring and autumn splits or summer split, however you call it, of the Enascar College Series last mm. year, and she made made every single race. And you know, I, I the fact that she was able to run up there with drivers that would end up or were in the in the top echelon, the Enascar College Series. Sorry, in the Enascar Coca Cola iRacing Series. That was a big deal, and having that representation there means that you're more than willing. To, you're more than likely going to start a conversation. You start a conversation with the people that are looking for somewhere. You start a conversation with the people that might not necessarily have anticipated you being there, but then suddenly go, "Wow, that's a really interesting endeavor. We love the idea of that," hmm. and it gets people talking, and that. That I think is what we we enjoy, and those are only two examples. Uh, but for us, those those examples have been so worth it because they have helped community drivers, whoever, to really throw themselves forward and really advance themselves and their ambitions. Although you're a serious racing operation, you you probably have really good relations between the drivers and participants in the team and you probably f find it really important to foster the social side of things as well i would have thought am, am i correct there so i think there's definitely an element of that um i think for us it, it's definitely always very very much a challenge um because we the way we're built is this partial we, we're built in kind of like two parts uh, you know the social community purely driven aspect which is like your traditional discord server community they're having fun talking about interesting interesting things we then have of course an actual team of drivers that represent us in different series at different levels and i think that we do it's, we do aim to try and foster um to try and foster good relationships um is that always possible? I don't think so. But at the same time, uh, we try our hardest to to learn. I know that it's very easy to make mistakes. I've made mistakes uh, with stuff before, but uh, when it comes to managing, when it comes to managing those relationships, but I tend to believe that over time, uh, things have, you know, people have gotten better. Uh, I've gotten better, and we're much more of a cohesive unit than our lowest times as well and that at some of our early periods where mistakes were made and you know i that is ultimately one of my goals is we foster a positive environment going forward as well sure um so uh, one one thing that you can perhaps educate me on in terms of uh, running a sim racing team is when when one runs a real life team uh you, you you know where everyone's going to be they're going to be in the pit lane or if you're in american motorsports you're going to be uh, by the track side as a spotter 
Um, what practically during a race meeting would the boss of a team do for a, for a sim driver? Maybe you can explain that to an ignoramus like me. <laughs> um, well, if you ask if you ask me, uh, I would I would joke and say that I am absolutely everything, and I would big myself <laughs> up. But that's not absolutely that's not true. Um, for me, um, I'm very much a avid watcher. I'm much more along the lines of a Toto Wolf who sits on the pit wall, listens to hear what's going on, interacts, listens to the broadcast, talks a little bit to the broadcasters if I if they allow me to hop in. Uh, but then also, whenever needed, hop into a... If, if there's live stewarding, uh, I would hop in and talk to the stewards, for example. Um, but I couldn't... That that's only part of it. The part of it is keeping the level head and also just trying to manage the the grander scheme so that the people that are helping, so the co-drivers or spotters or in our case the team manager that we have, uh, Roxy Gibson, um, can can do her job. And I think that's ultimately it. It's it's hold it's allow doing the doing the bits that people can't focus on at the time. And so they can get on with racing. And that's really is important to me. And the great thing about sim racing um, is that it's possible to do that in pretty much every sim. Uh, you know, iRacing definitely has the fundamental ability to do it. Um, ACC does to a to an extent, um, as does R Factor. So we're um, we're in a very good space where. Um, we we can spectate we can take control we can comment you know we can ultimately uh be useful we're not just sitting there kind of twiddling our thumbs and there's also the fact as well that being on the pit wall especially in something like i racing is so important because for us there is an element of real life strategy there is fuel calculations there are tire calculations tire wear calculations mm. and using statistics and data to help try and you know quantify the best way to succeed or win a race or to or to or to ultimately maximize the best position that you're in and i think it's really cool because there's so much to be able to transcend but a lot of that is done to people that uh is down to people very smarter than i like i said uh team manager roxy gibson uh one of the four uh co-owners and our driver development lead emily howe and uh, also a number of the drivers who step up uh, during a race um if they're doing a multi uh, a multi-driver race um a team race they very often are not will step in and assist uh, if there's a blank spot and that that's really important that's interesting that you've got a driver development lead um so w what is emily howe's role and uh, does does she for example sit in on test sessions and does she drive a coach uh, what what else does she do so emily's position uh, outside of being one of the four members of our board and one of the four co-owners of the of the team emily does uh, stuff going down to set up work uh creating setups modifying setups uh, she provides advice and um, and support to different uh, to many of the drivers and to some of our community members when they ask because she's incredibly knowledgeable. She's been around the esports and the sim racing scene for a very long time, well over twenty years at hmm. this point, something ridiculous. Um, she's been she was a an engineer at the at the 
a Coke, what is now the Coca-Cola iRacing uh, series, ENAS, uh, ENAS car series. Hmm. Uh, it was at the time peak. Um, but she was involved with one of the teams there as an engineer. And, and ultimately she uses... Uh, in, in race, she does a lot of stati- a lot of st- strategic stuff, but also she races herself. She's absolutely lightning quick, you know, on a road course and on an oval. She's won multiple races this year in um, in road uh, in one of the series we run in um, the uh, specifically the Sim Three D GT series, and uh, she she does a little bit of everything. Uh, she really is uh, absolutely unbelievable and. <laughs> absolutely crazy uh absolutely crazy she's just she just knows so much especially about i racing and yeah she helps push our team forward and give talent opportunities or essentially give people what they need to succeed that's that's very interesting and something i maybe hadn't taken into account um now i Perhaps uh, for a future article, I, I would love, if I may, to uh, uh, perhaps uh, if there's some way of you know just li- just listening listening in behind the scenes of uh, of um, you working with the team, it, it would be just so interesting to go behind the scenes of a racing team during a sim event. I, I don't know if that's ever possible. Oh, uh, we could definitely figure it out. Uh, that's definitely something I would be happy to figure out and um, be able to see. I know we've got. Um as the year goes on we've got plenty of events maybe a special event in iRacing might be a good opportunity uh for to do something like that since it's a little bit more of a chill environment but there is some there is an element of of course uh strategy behind it and trying to advance yourselves as much as possible but yeah absolutely it sounds like a good idea and i'd happy i'd be happy to facilitate that for sure awesome um so regarding the british f4 esports series um looks like a um tremendously well run series and i believe it's relatively new as well but um what interests me about it from point of view of you know my my favorite subject myself is i was reading a a tweet on twitter the other day um by one of my friends who asked the question um, what level of racing do you think that you could get up to, um, you know, with with a modicum of practice um, and, you know, um, at, at your at your sort of natural ability level as it, as it is now? And this person said uh, probably for them Clio Cup. Now, I, I don't know. I think the Clio Cup is achievable for probably most people who have have a passing interest in motorsports and uh, you know have maybe tried motorsport gaming. But um, F four was designed to be an entry level open wheel formula, um, and obviously that's that's what it does quite successfully out out in the out in the non gaming world. But in the in the sim world. How difficult do you think it would be for a novice to practice enough to get to the level of racing in F4? And uh, um, also, like, how did you find it going into that series and how long did it take Prismatic to be competitive? Um, so for us, um, or at least from... from like, That first question is... is, is you, you've absolutely nailed me on this one because it really, it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, I think there's some real life examples are in fact in the F4 series alone that that translate. Um, one of the teams raced last year in the uh, 2022 championship uh, was the Rocket Racing Star Team, which uh, 
actually was made up of some contest winners who'd gone into sim racing and who'd gone through these um, these sim racing uh, challenges and had managed to win a seat uh, for F4 next year and to help develop as part of this development program. And I know two of the drivers are Deegan Fairclough and... Uh, uh, I remember... Uh, names escaping me hmm. um, but there was a another driver a female driver that um, that that took uh, that, that got an opportunity and there is definitely some translatable stuff and uh, depending on the kind of gear you get into it is absolutely possible to go from I think from sim racing to uh, to, to to the track um, they're perfect examples I know there are team there are companies out there uh, that actually worry about this. That actually, for a, for a, for a goal, they make sims that are so realistic. Uh, they modify uh, sims to be as realistic to as the car on track. Uh, they try and make the motion and equipment as accurate as possible and as fine tuned, and use it as a way to get people more track time without taking a car out before they go to do an actual event. I know I've seen a few and I've spoken to a few out and about and they're absolutely incredible. Uh, so there's definitely some, uh, there's definitely the ability there and there's, and I think all it takes is finding the opportunity to, to support you and to, that you, to really do that racing, uh, rocket racing star was one of those. I know, um, another event that a bunch of our drivers are trying to compete in at the moment, uh, a screen to speed, um, mm. being hosted by an esports is another example of that because the winner will get a test session with uh, the IMSA GTZ team, uh, Kelly Moss. So there is going to, there definitely is, once you get those opportunities, there is the equipment there to be able to thrive. For us, when it came to competitiveness, we were very surprised very quickly about how competitive we actually were. Uh, because in the first race that we ran at Donington, we managed to get a top 10 with Mira. Mira was absolutely lightning. That race just kept overtaking people like nobody's business, hunted them down like, like a shark in water. But um, we found that during every single race, we were, we were in reaching distance of the top 10 a lot of times. And, you know, considering there were a lot of the time around 20 to 22 cars on the grid, against teams that were made up of professional sim racers. Uh, there were uh, teams, obviously professional sim, sim teams there. Uh, there were uh, some British F4 teams with incredibly talented drivers. Um, and, and, and for us, we were very happy with the way that we performed. Um, should it come back next year? I know Motorsport UK, I've, I've said as much to Motorsport UK, but I would definitely love to have another opportunity at this and be able to produce a more consistent season and really start pushing up for the uh, higher ends and the higher ends, uh, the higher ends of the grid every single every single race in the championship. Um, and I think that 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 is going to be that's definitely going to be very exciting um, that we were able to be as competitive as we were. What's the situation with the series right now? Um, you, you said, should it come back? Uh, is there a question over that? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I think that the question is, there's 
because it was the first time that it was done um motorsport uk definitely have a lot to consider and they've got a lot going on and they're doing a ton of other events they've just released their esports uh, esports platform as well and their esports like contingent um i'd be very surprised if they didn't try and redo it but i don't know the intricate details as to where they are when they're going to do it if they do i think it's uh, I, i'm just i'm trying to be a little bit coy about it just because the honest answer is i only know so much uh but honestly considering how successful the f4 esports championship was last seat last year i think there's a good chance that it uh, that it could come back this year and we could definitely get stuck in once again okay um, obviously, Prismatic is a fairly unique team for the reasons that you've mentioned, and um, you, you've talked about some of the talented drivers that you've um, helped to raise up through the system, and who uh, some of them have graduated and, and they're they're doing their own thing, or they're with they're with uh, uh, bigger, you know, um, more experienced teams now. But are there any drivers who have? maybe had the offers from bigger or more experienced teams but have chosen to stay with prismatic you know maybe because of the atmosphere because of the inclusiveness for example um i would tend to say there probably is a there are probably people that have been at prismatic have had people come up to them and turn around and say no uh, I know definitely for certain that Emily is one of those people. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think it would be very difficult to get away from from us uh, because obviously she she has a stake in the team. But I know that there are others. Mira Schmidt, um, as an example, Mira is um, interesting because uh, Mira, of course, ran at Fordzilla for a period of time, mm. um, then ran with a few other teams, uh, GTWR. And um, eventually, I think she's she's not been able to find a team for a little bit, but she's still absolutely rapid, and she's been running with us uh, as a driver. And she she's come to the fact that um, she loves to represent us whenever possible. Um, I think we're 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 keeping her in the in the mind that she wants to race for us and represent us as much as possible. If an opportunity comes up, she absolutely would take it. But she she tend, tends to consider herself as 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 running wanting to run under prismatic which is really proud i i know that there are probably drivers that especially de- depending on what happens at screen to speed there are definitely drivers that i see there that could potentially go to other teams and be incredibly successful uh you know i think christina ryan is a perfect example of that uh olivia haywood definitely has a lot a lot of ability within a uh roxy gibson uh of course our team manager uh, would obviously stay just because of her involvement in running the team management side but she's done an incredible job in developing from a driver that was very very um very safe uh and very good in terms of racecraft but maybe was a little bit on the slower side um there are definitely other drivers uh in that list that we have that i think all of them can achieve some incredibly great things and i'm really proud of every single one of them and uh it will be interesting to see what they what they what where they go uh whether they stay with us whether they go uh to another team or they go further in their career i i would be proud of that because that's ultimately one of our goals one of our goals is to is to elevate them into a position where either they can uh be at the highest level they can attain and achieve or 
they go to uh, they can go to a team that can take them even further than we can at the moment and i think that it kind of is a it's a big thing for us if i just uh, uh segue over briefly to um um mainstream motorsports um it, it seems to me like there are two separate forces at work as maybe there are in you know the rest of life in politics for example um so it feels like in grassroots motorsport you're seeing and hearing more and more lgbt drivers um uh thanks to racing pride but then it seems like in the top echelons of motorsport uh, because the big money is coming from, for example, um, uh, the Saudi Arabia, for example, um, you're 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 seeing um, this kind of noise noise off that you know, well, um, you know, this or that might offend the sponsors, and you know, um, the and the 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 idea that there are some places where you know, Formula One or Formula E or whatever competes where it might not actually be guaranteed 100% safe, as we saw in the Qatar World Cup, you know, to be to, to be out LGBT. Um, what do you make of this sort of difference between how motorsport seems to be growing and developing as an inclusive sport in a sort of glacial way down at the bottom of motorsport compared to how it is at the top? I think at the end of the day, uh, it's rough because obviously, especially as, as a trans person, you want to sit there and when you when you see some of the backlash or some of the discourse or some of the completely nonsensical arguments or talking points or culture war shock nonsense that, that, that a lot of people bring, bring up, it gets very frustrating because you, you kind of want to shake their shoulders and say, what are you talking about? that it's completely nonsensical why is this so difficult and it is frustrating but i guess for me the 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 biggest changes don't come without adversity and unfortunately as humans we have a tendency uh to 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 not be understanding of different life experiences different cultures different communities different minorities historically that's something that people have struggled with about going into a diatribe but i think motorsports is very much along that line you know remember motorsports was kind of born out off the back of the first and first world war kind of that early war period that late post-war period and then it's completely took off in you know in the late 1940s uh when hmm drivers you know people pilots especially were coming back from war and because of the because obviously that base was all men because of you know for example the raf for example there was no such thing as a female pilot mm. there was no such thing as a uh, as a female soldier um that translated and and because of that historically it's become this very boys boys club cis straight club of people that has never changed because there's never really been the question to need to change because all that they cared about was driving around a track in ovals or around a, a track somewhere across the world but as time goes on there are people that have great opportunities and are really talented that are coming through 
that don't necessarily have the support or the need to be able to find their, you know, where where to achieve what they need to achieve. And, you know, the perfect example, of course, is Sir Lewis Hamilton. Uh, you know, that was a, it was a, it was a big, it's a, it's a massive climb. You talk about the, the whole racism angle and the fact that that, that climb up through the levels was a massive shock to a very, a very, a kind of a very rigid system. And it just happened that Lewis is one of the greatest drivers of all time. And it's rough because it's it's an example that when we give minorities a chance to thrive, especially some of the most talented, they can be just as effective and as an as and as efficient. But to get there it requires a lot of a lot of battling. And I think now we're in that sphere where transgender, non-binary, LGBTQIA communities are trying to make those inroads and you kind of have to make those inroads at the lowest levels because once you make those inroads and you get drivers like lewis uh that of that talent level that can go all the way and be one of the best drivers in in the world at that point they have to listen and i think that's ultimately the important thing um there is going to be adversity there are going to absolutely be mistakes um, there are going to be really rough times, and sometimes we feel it will feel like we're going one step forward to go two steps back. But I think that we're in a place where, you know, if we keep fighting for it and we keep pushing for it and we keep taking action and showing that we deserve and we belong, and we help inspire the next crate you know, Sir Lewis Hamilton-esque driver that can go to the highest levels and be historic. That's going to change minds. Um, I agree with all of that. What I would say um, maybe as a counterpoint is that a little bit like we've seen with football where um, the balance of power has shifted from the, you know, global north to the global middle, I guess we could call it, um, or, you know, the Middle East in particular. Um, what I feel we're seeing with motorsport is the um, decision-making centre is still Europe, but, um, or at least for the FIA-sanctioned uh, motorsport, um, uh, North America is a different matter altogether, but... Um, the money is coming, uh, the money and the power is coming from the Middle East. And that in itself is not a, is not an issue, but it is an issue when, um, y when you start accommodating cultural viewpoints which are different. And when, when you get, for example, um, uh, Mohammed Ben Sulayam, the Emirati president of the FIA, saying, um, uh, so, uh, and, and you know, th this interview has been disputed. Not, um, it, um, it, it's it's not been entirely rolled back, but uh, um, it it was alleged that he said uh, Sebastian Vettel can come in on his rainbow bicycle um, as, as an example of something that he's not happy with. Now. We we kind of know that those views are held by other people at the FIA as well, and so that kind of means that LGBTQ representation in motorsport does have its limits, at least 
if if the world order remains as as it is, doesn't it? Unfortunately, yes. Um, I you know I I have many I know many you know trans, non-binary, gay, lesbian, bisexual. You know the all parts of the, of the, of the uh, LGBTQIA plus community. All especially those involved with motorsports absolutely detest the uh the the decisions and very much the the, the way that you know that a lot of our ability essentially our existence is being framed and our inclusion is being framed um we're very lucky that we live in an era where there are some very vocal advocates or there have been very vocal advocates at the top level you know the name you mentioned earlier sebastian vettel so lewis hamilton mm. um you know as, as the prime examples um but it's it's tough because it really is without going into a massive uh diatribe about it it is unfortunately the it is a very societal based issue it's a cult it's a it's a societal cultural issue where people refuse to to accept new things and understand and and are willing to understand what you know ultimately that this isn't that is it is a negative being trans being non-binary being uh gay lesbian bisexual it's it's not it's not going to affect their lives but allowing those people the same opportunities as other men in motorsports uh, and those in motorsports is important because it honestly makes the world it makes it makes the entire thing much better and yeah it, it, it's hard to answer to an organization that is so much bigger than you but um I do really wish that we didn't have to battle. We didn't have to fight. I wish it would be so much easier. But as we know, uh, you talk about perfect example is the you know the rights of 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 gay marriage and uh, and and being able to exist. You know, people we we had to battle Section Twenty Eight here in the UK. Mm. We had to battle. Um, we had to battle um uh a lot of a lot of problems and it took a lot of fighting and a lot of a lot of of strong arguing and also holding people to account at the highest levels and over time the 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 story changed i'm hoping that that is the case with the fia as time goes on i'm hoping that's the case throughout and for me we need to hold them accountable now. We need to hold them accountable in the in the sphere in 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 the in the sphere of public information. And I think that some incredibly important people are doing that at the moment. Uh, members of the media, specifically, of course, drivers. You know, when you've got a four-time world champion and a seven-time world champion calling your bluff on it, hell, even if he even if he doesn't say it in as many words two-time world champion however you feel about that in max verstappen disagrees mm. with the ruling on uh, political speeches and it's likely that that will start to resonate now how long will it take for us to to really get to the top level i don't know 
uh, football has started to open those doors now with uh, with uh, with uh, a few gay representatives in terms of referees, in terms of players, have now started to come out and they are starting to make a slight change. And we're starting to see that. And I think we're hopefully going to see that as time goes on uh, in motorsports. Um, it isn't going to come easy, but as long as we continue to fight, continue to hold people accountable and continue to work to get people opportunities to thrive, then I think we can be successful. Yeah. So saying that, you know, Max Verstappen was one of the drivers who didn't take the knee. So so it's intriguing from that point of view that he now thinks political statements are fine. But but then uh, I think we need to uh, um, take people at face value on this, given that, uh, uh, of course, you know, Sir Lewis Hamilton, now one of the uh, best advocates the community has in motorsports, um, did once uh, post something rather transphobic on Instagram and then uh, apologised and seemed to educate himself on the issue. So I, I think both of those people, and indeed Sebastian Vettel, probably they, all three of them show that there is room for growth and that even someone, you know, as maniacally focused as a professional sports person can educate themselves on political issues, can't they? Well, that's it. it I think at the end of the day, there is always... Obviously, yeah, you don't have to give... Don't give your time to someone that refuses to change, but at the same time... I think someone that is sensible enough to acknowledge when they've made mistakes and have the forethought to really consider what they've said, what they've done, how they've acted. Um, the, honestly, they are some of the best people, the best advocates, because they are a good representation of ultimately self-awareness and it's hard because obviously I don't want to disparage people uh, because yeah I don't know these, I don't know Sir Lewis personally I don't know anything like that but I do know that of course I do remember that whole video but I'm I, I'm proud to see him as an example change his tune change his tone and completely yeah. change his outlook and it's it's fantastic because ultimately that's come around because people have he's been able willing to learn. Others have been willing to teach him and there's been a positive outcome out of that. And I, I do hope that we can achieve that a lot more. And that's ultimately what uh, we hope that in terms of our advocacy side, Prismatic will be able to achieve. Definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, it, it's it's a really great thing that you're doing as well. Um, and um, I, I'd love to maybe shine a light on uh, on where and how people can see you racing i i know that uh, prismatic take part in not just the f4 esports series but also um a number of sports car related um esports series and um you you've mentioned that you uh, um you, you've provided the livery for nascar as well so um what are the places online or you know maybe maybe even on a broadcaster where we can find your team so there's there's a there's so many to count because the great thing about um, the broadcast sphere is that there's so much parity between different broadcasters. Um, we most often than not will put ahead of time a post talking about the events that we're going to be in um, and we're going to be broadcasting and um, and also a link to their channels. I know that uh, depending on the size of the event, uh, it could be. 
Um, a few good examples is we've had events on Race Spot TV, uh, the British uh, F4 Esports Championship. Um, mm -hmm. We've got uh, other events like uh, other other groups. One of our main sponsors, uh, Arrow Broadcast Network, mm -hmm. they do an incredible amount under uh, under Carmen Hardy, uh, who is an absolutely incredible uh, incredible person who. Uh, yeah, they, they do a lot of broadcasting of different events, and there are a few of our drivers there. Um, of course, Simfree the GT series that we compete in at the moment, um, those races are right, broadcast live on SimSport Solutions. Um, there, there's definitely a few broadcasters out there uh, that do a mixture of different things. I'm probably forgetting more because they're everywhere, and, and we obviously do broadcast stuff for special events on our own. So there is, uh, there's plenty to look for. The best way to, to to keep an eye as to where to watch us is on our Twitter. Most often than not, uh, we'll put the uh, put the link there. That's at Pris Motorsports. Uh, fantastic. Uh, is is there um, um, maybe an, anything that you'd uh, like to cover that we haven't talked about so far? Um, I guess for me, the um, I, I guess for me, I, I think it has to be. Uh, taking into account the amazing people that make it possible. Um, for me, I don't think I would have been able to have done this all on my own. Um, I'm great at talking. I'm great at, 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 at being very passionate. Uh, I'm not so great at the technical side. I'm not necessarily as great. Uh, there's There's been a lot of lessons I've learned along the way. So for, for me, I think I want to say a huge thank you to uh, the rest of the board members, of course, uh, Judith Cooper, our media uh, media director, uh, Emily, who I've mentioned uh, before, uh, who is our driver development lead, uh, Robin Summer, who is our business development lead and has been been pivotal to accruing sponsors, accruing sponsors, sorry, to um, to succeed and uh, become incredibly successful. Uh, we've got our team manager, Roxy Gibson. Uh, we have got uh, who has has stepped in and really been a massive help to us, especially on the organization side. Um, well, we've got two moderators for the EU and NA side because we have a community of a, a server community of about 100 people. Um, we have, of course, that's uh, Georgie Mackay and uh, Bree Widener who provide coverage for the EU and NA side. And I guess I want to say a huge thank you to uh, the drivers and also, you know, give them the acknowledgement that they deserve because they definitely deserve a lot. So uh, obviously I'll mention um, uh, Revy, uh, Olivia Haywood, Cassandra Winklebauer, uh, Leah Noodle. Uh, we've got um, Christina Ryan, Mira Schmidt, uh, Rachel Concoli, uh, Lilac uh, Zier. Uh, we've got... Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, we've got uh, Mickey Rubok, we've got uh, Nova, we've got Sirsha Fitzpatrick, we've got uh, Hamish, Hamish Eisner, and uh, of course we've got um, we've got brain is absolutely melting at the moment uh, <laughs> lot, lots of names or lots of people involved uh, we've got uh, Kate, Caitlin Haight who um, all of them have done an incredible job representing us and really has made our journey so much more exciting. And um, yeah, I want to say that I'm incredibly on, you know, proud to be able to to run this team. And also a huge thank you to the community that we ho we host and we we ultimately have because without them it wouldn't be 
the same thing and uh, it wouldn't be quite as good and it's amazing and I, I do want to tell them I care deeply about them. I care incredibly deeply about the team. Um, you know, you make such a uh, you make such at times a very uh, a very hands on, very difficult uh, job in running such a large community and a team so much better. And um, I wouldn't be there without them. So I do really appreciate it. Um, fantastic. So. Uh... Jamie Jess Martin from uh, Prismatic Motorsports. Uh, real pleasure to talk to you on the Motion E podcast. And there'll, there'll be lots more uh, coverage of sim racing this year because uh, plenty of gaps between Formula E races. And actually, I, th I think a lot of the most exciting action is taking place online as well. Um, so we'll be doing lots more of that. Um, and uh, you can follow you can follow uh, Jamie and Prismatic on uh, Prism Motorsports on Twitter. And uh, what's what's your uh, website address as well? If people want to so, find you there, <laughs> this is I knew I was going to get this question. Uh, it's currently a work in progress. Uh, it will eventually be on uh, www.prismaticmotorsports.com. We are currently working with uh, the as as she likes to be referred, computer witch Roxy Gibson. Uh, to try and get a website sorted, uh, but that is in the works. So uh, once it's once it's alive, we'll we'll let people know. But it will be www.prismaticmotorsports.com. Super. And uh, well, this has been the Motion E podcast. You can uh, find all of uh, my links if you go to linktree.com forward slash motion underscore E, or you can join the now free to join Motion E Discord server, which has uh, a growing number of members, uh, and that is at tinyurl forward slash motion E. So uh, would love to see as many of you on there as, um, as possible. Uh, right, so at the time of recording, the next Formula E race will be in Hyderabad, India, and uh, looking forward to that. And um, I'm sure, uh, Jess, you've got a uh, massively packed um, uh, sim racing season coming up. So w what are the highlights that you've got marked in your calendar for the next season? Well, uh, there are definitely some big ones coming up for us uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, depending on the results of the qualifying, we should have a number of drivers uh, potentially qualify for the screen to speed uh, final 20 in Las Vegas uh, for the chance to win a uh, $15,000 and also a, um, <laughs> a, a test session with, like I said, the IMSTA GTD team, uh, Kelly Moss. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of talk about that. You'll see a lot of that. Um, we've got the Sim3D GT series at the moment. We're actually leading the championship in the pro GT3 category with Emily Howe and Rachel Concoli. Uh, so we're really excited to see how that one progresses. Um, we're still doing, obviously, special events. There are a few major special events coming up that we hope to have a few drivers running in. Um, but there's definitely more uh, more there. And, of course, it, it's, it's all made possible by our sponsors. Um, so I forgot to mention them. Uh, Certified Be Diverse, uh, Arrow Broadcast Network, Agent Inc. Apparel, uh, Go For The Gap, and Kadan Computers for all the help that they give. Superb. Um, Jess, thank you so much for talking to me on the Motion E podcast and uh, hope, to, uh, hope to see plenty of Prismatic this season as well. Uh, thank you very much. It's 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 
it's exciting uh, to be able to have chatted and uh, yeah, hopefully we can continue to uh, continue to achieve our goals.